0: Welcome to another episode of the Comfort Monk Podcast. Today, I got to speak with uh, an old friend of mine, Justin Osborne of the band Susto. Um,
1: formerly of uh, Sequoia Prep School. Yeah, yeah. Formerly of Sequoia. Yeah, yeah, that's right,
0: <laughs> right. Uh, Justin and I have known each other for a long, long time. Uh, I guess I, I even saw, you know, when I was in high school, I'm pretty sure I saw him play... A couple times, coffee shops, random places uh, near where I grew up. But in recent years, this project Susto has really taken off. They are, you know, touring internationally. Obviously, not so much right now. But uh, in the, in recent years, they've done a ton of touring, put out, uh, gosh, there's at least three records, full-length records out already. I, I, we spoke a bit about a new one that's in the works. Um, But yeah, I mean, me and Justin have known each other for a while. The early Susto tours, Uh, we played a lot of shows with them back then. We did a few runs together, and we played some shows more recently as well, Um, and just always really thought the world of him as far as his work ethic and his, uh, his ability to be creative about things that, feel like the uh, grunt work, you know, as far as being in a band. The business side of it and the marketing side sometimes feels like a headache and just something that you got to do to play the game. But Justin has pretty effortlessly, or I don't think it was effortless, but seemingly effortless from, from an outside perspective. Um, he just finds a way to make that side of, of being in a, in a touring band Uh, creative and inspiring, and and not just seem like going through the motions to to promote. You know, because the label heads bugging you to do it. Like he figures out a way to, for lack of a better word, uh, maybe branding is part of it, but in a in a way that doesn't feel too too contrived. It feels very uh, just very creative and inspired and from a place of trying to make the the ins and outs of managing your own band not just a chore but uh but a creative outlet in its own way and like I said the, the thing that has always struck me the most about Justin is his insane work ethic he does not rest on his laurels and he has quite a few laurels he could rest on so um and it was great just getting to know him a little better and and you know like I said we, we've been friends for a long time but it's rare that we've ever had a chance to sit down and just talk for an hour um and i'm really really glad we got a chance to do that he has a you know he has a newborn child and he's you know navigating the covid 2020 just like all of us are um but i think he's he's got a bright future ahead of him that there justin so (laughs) it was great getting to, to touch base with him again but uh I hope you guys enjoy the episode, and thanks again to Justin for coming on the show. Uh, check out his music. His most recent record is "Ever Since I Lost My Mind," which is out on Rounder Records. Fucking mind blow! Like Rounder Records has put out Robert Plant records. Uh, God, there was something I was just listening to. Uh, I'm pretty sure maybe they put out some Jonathan Richmond. Maybe I might be wrong there, Sounds but right. they they put out a lot of crazy, crazy good records, and uh i know it's not lost on justin that he's in really really good company there um but yeah check out his music if you haven't already and thank you so much for listening to the show guys
1: Becoming a parent has been an incredible experience. And I'm sure a lot of people would say that, too. I mean, it's, it's, it's difficult, it's hard, it's challenging, but it's like the most, like, you get so much reward for all that, like, difficulty that it's it's just so so amazing. And um, but it was really hard. Like, I mean, after, I, mean, I guess we've been, I've been, like, home with my family, not really having to be away from them for more than an hour or two at a time. Um, since I guess mid-March. Um, but basically like before that, I mean, my daughter was born last June. She's, she's actually going to be turning one on, uh, in a week, a week from today. Wow. Well, happy Um, early
0: birthday to her.
1: Yeah. Thank you. She just started walking too, but. Dude, I um, saw
0: that video. That was epic. Yeah. She was practically running. Uh, That was uh, awesome.
1: Yeah. She, she kind of skipped walking and went straight to running, but, um, but she's, she's amazing though. You know, she's like, she's, I don't know, a lot happens in a year, but like in the, in the first, up until the last, you know, two and a half months, um, I had been balancing being home and then also traveling. And I mean, 10 days after she was born, I had to leave home for a week, you know? And, uh, and, and I was used to leaving home for like, I mean, my wife and I had kind of gotten used to our balance. It'd be like, you know, whenever I was home, like we would hang out, constantly and then whenever I was gone I was just gone and sometimes she would come out and meet us but I I would be on the road without coming through Charleston for sometimes 10 weeks at a time um and that you know and there were stretches that were less than that but there were at least four stretches that were a solid 10 weeks right that's a long time to be away from home for sure Um, and especially right up before Harriet's birthday in June last year like I was gone from basically like February 20th which was right before our album came out um until like a week before her birthday and uh and I I think I came home for like a second in between there but like it was just you know a lot of traveling but then and then when she was born like I said I was home for a week or for I was home for like two weeks leading up to her birth and then I was home for 10 days after her birth and then had to go and then and that was just painful I I had no way of Realizing what that was going to be like, um, but fortunately, kind of after her birth, we didn't stay away for any more than about three weeks. I think three weeks is probably the longest I was gone. And then, but you know, so but doing that was still it was it made it you know manageable, but it was still hard. But so this this kind of quarantine COVID stuff has uh, you know it's been brutal in so many ways, um, and we definitely have not been unscathed buy that you know as a household financially or whatever but um as far as getting time with my family it's been really valuable that's like a silver lining i've been trying to see or it's easy to see because like i i've got to watch my daughter take her first steps i was like really sure that i was going to miss that you know because yeah. um because i'm just gone i would miss little things and uh well, but, it's huge so,
0: man i mean there's so they their personalities developed so much in this time. And, and totally. it's awesome that you've, I mean, like you said, I mean, this is something I've found myself saying a few times on the show is that, like, of course, the the context is, is horrible to, that, you know, there's this scary virus going around and people are sick and dying. But, um, you know, I guess that silver lining is that this, like, forced breather has caused people to, to a have a little more time with their loved ones and b a little more time for like self reflection and totally uh, i mean i i think it's partly uh i'm sure it's played a role in everyone's availability who's out there protesting and and things like that too so i mean there's there's things that have benefited from it so uh and i think right now especially with the state of the world like the positivity that we can grab on to to help motivate us to keep on keeping on is is important you know
1: um totally i mean you kind of i mean you had started the podcast a little bit before this happened right but you kind of
0: yeah uh well like right before man so we we put the first great great timing
1: for a podcast
0: oh yeah dude like i think our first one was like mid-february so by the time march rolled around and and you know everybody was getting furloughed and all of this we were like already you know I mean, we probably didn't have 10 episodes out at that point, but I'm sure we had them recorded at least at that point. So we had already kind of started figuring out what the hell we're doing. So Well, I, I, I just recently picked up a new uh, gig, so I'm not quite as available, but for pretty much two straight months, I was hella furloughed, so I was hitting so it you, hard.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, a lot of people, I know folks who are like, younger than me who are like working in food and bev jobs and in school and stuff and they've been able to do like really neither of them once like kind of school ended and food and bev jobs still so come back and they're just like, you know, it's like, you know what? That's fine. It's fine. It just if you wanna develop a hobby, do that. But if you wanna go walk around and, you know, just read all day or whatever, like that's fine too. Like I don't know. I mean I i I think, and I talked to my manager about this, too. We were actually on the phone the other day because we are still working. There's not as much to plan now that you're not really planning tours or anything. but you know, we're still doing things, and I've been in the studio and we're planning a couple of releases of some live material that we've got we already kind of had prepped to go and um but but besides that, you know, there's just not nearly as much work to do. and he and I are both kind of like workaholics, like we you know he he works for me, but also has other clients, and I'm like, 24 7 like on for susto as far in my brain and stuff so like right.
0: even if you're you're thinking about the next move, even if you're not like actively yeah, totally, putting in
1: totally moves and, towards it. and we were just talking about how you know he has two kids and um we were just talking about how it's just been nice like a nice forced breather but at the same time can't last forever, and I don't think anybody wants it to last forever, and I'm oh, looking forward to it. I really miss playing shows, man. Like, well, dude, I, I, I mean,
0: I've been impressed with, I mean, the entire time I've known you, which has been a while now, man. I mean, I knew of you when I was a kid, just from, I think you were already gigging with some friends of mine and stuff. So I, I saw you play... Oh, I think it was at, like, Litchfield Coffee House. Yeah, I, dude, so. that
1: place. Yeah, man. And I would I mean, have been knew,
0: in high school at the time, you know. And, uh, yeah, I don't think we knew each other then. No, we'd no, been, no. Like, I don't think we, we met have been so yeah. for a while. I mean, yeah, like, we probably started, I don't know when you and I, like, actually. I remember meeting you at a party in Columbia when you were just starting to use the name Susto. I think you might not have even been doing really much in the way of full band stuff at that point yeah and, i uh, think i i think i it remember about. it was it was post the shift to just sequoia you know chopping off prep school and But i don't think
1: i had com- i don't think i had completely ended it yet I yeah think-
0: and I, I just remember yeah. you telling telling me oh yeah this this new project i'm working on and then like sometime after that was probably when we were uh doing like those weekend runs together with blanca yeah. and uh I, th- I guess was it amigo yeah yeah
1: Amigo. yeah, played yeah those that's right us. um and i remember like i remember just like i don't know just i i love everything you do and i remember just like hearing block for the Dear blocker for the first time and just being so stoked about it, it was like this is the it's just it's just like a, it's great to be like charged up by the people who you're kind of like playing with and doing shows with and that those are some some really fun times i'm really grateful for those like early days of susto like because i because i had kind of i had been in sequoia but it was like i don't know we we were kind of isolated we were from florence and we didn't and and also it was kind of like you know weird teeny bopper folk stuff or whatever i don't know so it was nice to like take a a step back from that and then come back with like a band that felt you know like I, i was actually like making friends in like the greater kind of Carolina's music scene for the first time. I mean, I, not, maybe not for the first time, but like in a more meaningful way. Right. And, uh, and it was so fun. I mean, it's still really fun. I still love like just how vibrant the, the kind of like North and South Carolina, Georgia, you know, and it extends obviously, but like, you know, the music scene and just like you were saying, like going to see, I mean, like when we were playing in Litchfield and stuff, like whenever I was, I mean, I'm not, I'm only a few years older than you, but like, you know, yeah, back yeah. in the day when we were, there's just always been people trying to make music and make art and I, I don't know, I am grateful to be a part of that community. Well man, it has been it's been fun uh,
0: watching you grow as a musician over the years. And like the, one of the one of the things that I've always been inspired by by your approach to being a musician is this like intense work ethic you've got. And you I mean you were talking about it a little bit earlier, but you're always I mean, there's just some new idea that's always coming up and it's never it never feels like tired or half-baked it always feels like damn like i mean even like when you were first doing your quarantine shows like you're the first person i saw who like leaned into that but not from a you know because there's a lot of those that happen that are like a little bit uninspiring like because just kind of like nope not a whole lot of production to it and the audio and video is questionable but like uh you always kind of seem to to go at it with like this i always love when people can diy but legit as hell you know what i mean like <laughs> like when it's like damn this doesn't come across as diy because it's so well done but it's i mean it's purely diy you know um
1: i appreciate i appreciate that you saying all those kind of things i'm glad that to, to, to at least somebody that it that came off you know because that was definitely a whenever I realized that the shows weren't going to happen, it was like, okay, well shit. Like, what are we going to, how are we going to do this in a way that feels like it's, I don't know. I was just, and I know everyone was scrambling and I'm not blaming people because like I did a couple of these things too, like outside of like the kind of series that I've done, like where like you just kind of go live. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's nothing wrong your, with those either, man. Yeah. For sure. You know, but, but you know, like trying to make it something where it feels a little bit less, awkward and makes people feel a little bit more, um, I don't know, engaged, like having merchandise for us, a quarantine series at first, I was like, are people even going to get into this? But they did, you know, Mm -hmm. and like, and, and it could have, it could have just not worked. (laughs) And that would have been, you know, we would have been, you know, back where we started, but I don't know. I I appreciate you saying that. Like, I, I I think I'm just fortunate to be able to do something that I really, really enjoy. And the writing songs, and recording and playing shows is not the only way to be creative in this job the other way to be creative is to come up with like what's your next move like what's what's the concept behind this thing you're doing like what you know how how can you build more connections with people and how can you make those connections more meaningful and
0: well yeah man i mean that's and that's you know. know like how you how the quarantine sessions all had, like, a different theme, like, whether it be, you know, the first ones were broken into, like, different themes that kind of guided your song choices, and then the new series is, you know, basically a whole album at a time. Uh, I mean, it's just, like, keeping it exciting, man. It's not predictable, and it's... There's, there's a certain level of the business side of things that is, like... It's nobody's favorite part, right, you know? But... Uh, you've you you navigate that well and gracefully, and 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 make it less like a, you make it seem like less of a chore and more like an extension of the
1: creativity, which is, which is really cool. Well, I think I think I really feel that way, and I appreciate you saying that. I feel like I, I don't know, I, it's hard to sit and listen and listen to a bunch of compliments, <laughs> but I I do appreciate I do appreciate them, and I, um, but again, I just think I'm fortunate to be able to make a living, and you know, maybe I'm not. A wealthy person but you know like i have what i need and i get to do this for a, for a living and, and the business side of it does feel like an extension of the creativity because it's like at the end of the day i'm working for myself and all the business aspects of it are just there to support my ability to continue to create with people i love creating with and and to perform for the people who want to consume it and um uh, it's it's a blast like it's so fun like i and especially another another side of this whole quarantine has been kind of like getting back towards like cuz this one thing i love about being in a band is like the cyclical nature of things like you there's a part where you're in you're focusing on creating an album and then there's a part where you're out promoting that album and touring and like i love traveling and stuff but i could not do it all the time right right and so it's like it's really great that like in the last year i've gotten or the last like 2 years like you know, I was on the road a lot and I got to promote my last album and, uh, it's been great to be able to like be home. And I, I've like decided just to like make this, my my upcoming record that I'm working on right now, like much more of like just made it home with the people around me. I, I think, and I think honestly, everything from the mixing and even the mastering might end up happening here, but like, um, it's just nice to be, on that other side of the coin to where, you know, I'm, I'm getting to come home and cook dinner for my family every night and like wake up with my wife and daughter. And then, you know, but also like a few days a week, I'm in the studio chipping away and being creative and like shaping this new thing that will be like another kind of fixture in my catalog that, um, and, you know, I take those every album, you know, seriously, sometimes probably too seriously, but um, you know, I'm I'm just thankful for that cyclical nature of the whole business of having that like yeah, it's the almost time like time off, a, almost t- makes the time, time on
0: more more manageable. You know,
1: um, totally. And I and I'm learning how to ma- how to balance that better. I think like I'll always need to be continuing to tweak that balance, but um, it's ex- it's an exciting thing to do. I'm grateful for it
0: for sure, man. So so back when you were you know a kid in Florence, when when did you really start? I mean, I'm sure you were playing real early on,
1: but when did you start touring? Like, at what age? And I I was, like, trying to tour. Like, so we, and I was fortunate. I was raised, my parents, who, like, we had a certain amount of means. Like, my parents weren't, like, extremely wealthy by any means, but they were kind of, like, as far as where we live in a small town in South Carolina, they were able to give us things to help us can pursue our our passions and, yeah and no, I, like when you want to
0: when you're dreaming of a guitar they they've got the yeah. bones to to put it together and get
1: you one, right you know? and That's i'm huge. really grateful. i'm grateful for that because a lot of people don't have that and then also another thing about my parents is they were very like religious so they were not very comfortable with me like playing in bars and stuff and once they realized that i was going up to new brooklyn and columbia like sneaking away my friends to go show stuff they're like Okay, so we gotta figure out some alternative to this, uh, which I never stopped doing that. But um, but they kind of, my dad was in construction, so he built this like kind of building in our backyard where we could have shows. And um, I think some of your friends from down at the beach would come and play and stuff oh, too. Yeah, but, like,
0: what did you guys call that spot again? It was
1: called the Lower Room. Yeah, my yeah bro- that's right. My, my brother actually lives in there now and does shows there still. Um, but <clears throat> so I think once we had that, like I, I knew that bands toured and stuff like that, but once we kind of had that place, we would like like Ben Walker, who we both know, like I, somehow I got in touch with him. And Ben was a little bit older than me and he knew these kind of bands that were doing DIY touring. So he would like bring them in, like they'd come play show. They'd play they'd be on like a week or two long, two week tour or whatever, and they'd stop in and do a show at the lower room. And um and so I kind of just started seeing that people were just doing it you know and i think i remember like my first band like we went on tour and my mom like drove us we went like up to ohio to play at this like summer camp and we played at one i had a friend who had moved to ohio and had a band and just, i was probably in like 10th grade or something 10th or 11th grade but then like so i got a little taste of that obviously my mom was there so i was like uh you know this isn't that cool
0: Well, oh, yeah um, dude i i mean uh, there's something to be said about those early days when, when you used to have to get dropped off at the gig. Cause you couldn't, drive yeah, yourself. Yeah. The, the, it makes you feel like at, at the very least you can say like, well, damn, I, I got an early start. If I couldn't, I didn't even have
1: a day license to get to the gig, you know? Absolutely. And it's like, you know, I, like, and even before, you know, we went out of state, like my parents were helping me. I mean, they were very supportive. I mean, there came a point where the subject matter changed into something they weren't super supportive of. But luckily by that point I was doing it myself. But, right. um, and, but, you know, they would drive us over to Sumter from Florence and up to Columbia. I remember one time my mom drove us up to Columbia because my old band, we opened for Andrew W.K. in Brooklyn Tavern. It was like a school night. That's and my mom, man. like, went, my mom went with us and, like, stayed and, like, let us stay to see at least part of his stay. He didn't even go on until, like, midnight or something. But, you know, and that, I just kind of had the bug early on. And then as soon as I was, um, I think it was, like, the summer of my freshman I think it was the summer of my sophomore year of college or something like that. I, it was right after I kind of left home and, and went to school. Like I started, I wasn't a very good college student cause I was spending all my time like on my trying to get my band signed to some independent label or either trying to book a show in some state I'd never been to. And, and that's kind of how I started doing it. Like I remember like, I think, it, I think it was, again, I think it was the summer after my freshman year of, of college. Like, um, we borrowed my dad's like expedition and like put a trailer on it and like we had like seven of us in the an expedition and we like went up the coast. We played like my first out of town, out of state show, which was in like North Carolina, like right across the border. And then we went up to um, like Pennsylvania and pa- played some random shows. And then we drove all the way out to Chicago and came back down. And and all these things I had booked through MySpace. It was like you know I just like basically put out on our sequoia prep school myspace page like who wants us to come play like and we just went and played and yeah man. And it was it was like the first time ever being away from home on like a, a road trip with like friends and and then that just kind of evolved into um you know more and more doing it like once i kind of got doing it i couldn't stop I me mean, it wasn't until like i like ended sequoia prep school that i really took like about a two year break, two and a half year break from touring. I, I'm thankful for that because like, I needed to kind of like come and live a life, like, and just kind of get myself centered. And that's kind of how I went back to school. Cause I had dropped out eventually to tour. And then I went back to school and that, you know, that's how I found out about the term Susto. I mean, I, I ended up studying abroad in Cuba, which was really inspirational for me. And then like, uh, and then eventually I had dropped out again and, and, you know, started touring full time with Sisto. and I actually just finished my college degree like a month ago. I had oh, a class so left.
0: Congrats, man!
1: Yeah, thanks, man. I'm a CFC anthropology graduate. you oh, know, yeah. definitely gonna gonna use the hell out of that. But
0: <laughs> dude, you um, you got a you got a degree and and an experience on the road. And <laughs> so that that's just as important too. You know, um, dude. One thing I was thinking about, and it's backpedaling just a little bit, but when you talk about your parents hooking you guys up with that space you could use for shows. I can't help but think about, uh, you know, Graham Parsons' parents bought him a club whenever he was a teenager, and that's where he cut his teeth playing music. He had his own club, so he would just play there every night. They were like the house band, um, and I feel like I didn't know that. Oh yeah, man, and and musically, I mean, of course, like there's some uh, cross over there. Like as far oh, as I love Grand Parsons, uh, yeah. Sisto, and and stuff. It's like that. Uh, that that uh, those like heavy nods to country music without ever being just straight ahead country. Uh, this kind yeah. of kind of a cool thing.
1: I, man, I I I don't have as good of a death story as him. Though. I mean, his, his like I, what a epic. I mean, I I was in we were in Joshua Tree like a couple of years ago and we were going by that like hotel or something where he, I guess, died or yeah, and then they uh, they
0: took his body out there and tried to burn. Yeah. Yeah, I know it's incredible. This is epic, but I mean, he died really young, right? He oh was yeah, like, I think he was. I don't like even nine, know. If he might have was he thirty yet. Probably not. I don't know. I
1: don't know. I don't. I don't know how. I need to look it up. But. Yeah,
0: I'm not positive, but yeah, I mean, young regardless. But yeah, man, those those Graham records. I I forget how much I love those. They're like, uh, they're classic, man. Like he he's definitely like blending, like he did a huge thing for, or huge steps towards. uh you know bringing the rock and roll kids to the country world and vice versa totally. um and like in a way that I mean you still i hear i mean speaking of like amigo like those guys definitely have to be fucking with some grand parsons like there's oh like, absolutely and yeah. uh you know and I, I I'm glad they are man I'm glad I hear his influence popping up here and there he was great um but yeah man uh so so you were you know touring a ton what what was the what was like the furthest that you got away from your hometown with, uh, with Sequoia prep school back in the day and those early touring days,
1: like Oklahoma was about as far as we went. Uh, we, damn. we, we basically toured in the Southeast and um, like we, I mean, we, we had like this, the first time I dropped out of college was because we had this record deal with Atlantic records, but it was like, not like a record deal. It was a development deal. Like some, and some really low level and guy, atlantic records had found one of our songs on myspace like this is really early on and um and got in contact with me and we were like oh well we made it we're gonna be right. famous you know like we were like 20 and um and we went like early on in that relationship we we had been flown out to um la and like we made a record out we're not a record we made like five demos out there um but that wasn't really touring you know that was like that i had never been out there and it was super exciting yeah and it's also, so
0: huge that for band purposes you were out there you know
1: yeah but besides that like as far as the touring we were doing with sequoia like where our fan base was like we pretty much extended down to like jacksonville and orlando and then about as far as like west as texas and oklahoma and then we you know we play up into chicago and then we went all the way up and down the east coast we we were actually like we, because we were a little emo it was kind of this folk emo we were like in good with all these like baltimore philly area like emo bands and so we'd be like the one like country emo band novelty at these like they'd be like these diy festivals where like there'd be like 10 bands and they're all like pretty screamo and then we're like kind of that too just like with an acoustic guitar right it's like and screamo then like maybe maybe like the
0: stepping stone towards shilkoia is something like dashboard or yeah. something you know like i mean it's kind of exactly you could see the, the the common thread to like at least pique their curiosity you know or at least get it where you can hang on the bill when it makes sense you know
1: yeah and we were like you know we were all like big band of horses fans so we were like rocking like the um Oh, back <laughs> then, it would have been like funeral era, probably, right? Yeah, yeah. But because of that too, just like flannel shirts and everything, we were like all about that. And so we were all these like emo kids that would eventually become like Americana hipsters were, were like, at, at that time, they were like, who are these rednecks? You know? But
0: <laughs> that's funny, man. Yeah, dude. It's funny how much flannel has like had such a purpose within the world of music, you know? Like, uh, yeah. Obviously, people think about you know like the grunge era with it but uh like i think about that replacements album cover please to meet me and how there's the two hands shaking one's like this business hand with a suit and gold rings and the other one is like a super torn arm uh long sleeve flannel like so like that's a statement in itself and then you think about go back further bands like created clearwater revival were like hardcore totally. about it and which then inspired I, it's like, like it's, mike watt who does he has an album with fire hose called Fly in the Flannel. Like there's some serious passionate love for flannel as a fabric in the music world.
1: I know. I think it's like a symbol of like um, working class. You no, know, like, totally you know, it's like... a
0: salt of the earth thing. It's like that's it's it's something about the versatility of it, right? Because you can you can wear flannel with just about anything and it it uh, you know people some people will forever think of like paul bunyan or something still so it's like it's got this like there's
1: a really unique history to it for sure yeah definitely i i um i definitely rock some flannel like i mean i have most of my adult life but like the one thing i love about it on tour is that you can dress it up or you can dress it down like oh yeah
0: if you get a little hot, you can unbutton it or just yeah, take totally. it off. You know I mean? Roll those
1: sleeves up. Yeah. Put around your put around your waist. Jump in the mosh pit. You know, like. Yep. You can roll your cigs into
0: the sleeve if you need to. Or whatever. <laughs> you know, like it's it's the perfect like, uh, like you said, salt of the earth piece of uh, clothing to have in the mix for sure. Um, totally. But yeah, man. Like so, uh, I, I love that your time spent in Cuba has influenced you so much. Like obviously uh like that's been a you know cuban culture is a huge inspiration for me as well my um, right your my, grandmother right yeah yeah blanca so she was she was uh, an immigrant from cuba and my dad lived in cuba for a while when he was a kid and you know we named our second record pobrecito because that's just what my grandmother called me all the time uh so like yeah, I mean it's it's funny, man. Like I've uh I've never been over there. I would love to go visit. Um I was just gonna ask it's if it's been a dream before? of mine forever, man. My family's talked about it a bunch now that uh you know, travel's not as crazy between the two places, although I don't know if that's that might be shifting now. But I mean my dad's got cousins and stuff over there he hasn't seen since he was a baby, you know. So like I know he'd love you know, to go.
1: Do you know where they live? Are they in Havana or yeah, they, like... they
0: were yeah, definitely Havana. Oh, that's so cool, man!
1: It's such a beautiful, incredible city. Like, I really hope you get to go spend some time there. Especially yeah, if nothing ha- else, I'm gonna go on your my family own, man. There. But
0: if I could, I would love to take my dad. I think it would be a huge. Like, he always tells this stories like about being like the one blonde headed kid running around and just being like a really unique experience for him. And I don't know, I'd love to take him back, especially. I think my whole family. It's like kind of they're all my brothers and all also really love that side of our background but haven't had a chance to explore it on a i mean you just don't you know i'm an armchair enthusiast for cuba i want to be like i want to go there and experience it in real life instead of just the pictures and stuff you see you know um
1: i definitely recommend it i mean like i mean yeah i mean they're i don't know i mean i only spent a few months there but like it it was life changing in a way that like still affects me, I think on a daily basis. And honestly I had given up on my career in music and it was being there and being around people who were like just really passionate about making art without, I I got burned out because like with, I got like tired of never getting any notice from the industry. Like Mm -hmm. with my previous projects, like just like, I didn't really, I know in hindsight that I was just like not doing the right things. And I probably wasn't ready for any of that anyway, but like, um, but you know feeling burnt out and then going to a place where like nobody gives a shit about the industry and they're just like doing it because music is fun and it moves you and it's like your soul and that i think i had lost lost touch with that and um, it reignited it for sure i mean and not just music but like i mean it's just like just i don't know just an incredible place to be and also just like you know, every every place has its bad apples and its good apples. But I, I was lucky to be uh, in a friend group with some really great folks. That unfortunately, I don't think really maybe one of them still lives there. They've all kind of immigrated because, you know, just kind of in search of different um, opportunities. But um, it was it was a great time. I'm really grateful for it. I'm, I'm I don't have any sort of Cuban ancestry or anything, but I feel like I still have like a part of it. In me just from that experience and my my really good friend camilo who like helped me write some of the first songs on the susto album and who he had like a band in havana that i would play shows with and also i kind of play with them sometimes um yeah, that's he awesome and his, that you
0: got to play a little bit while you were there man
1: yeah i mean it was great and we recorded too i recorded well, he and i did this little um mini album called vampiros in la havana like it's named after this have you ever seen the movie vampires in havana i have not man Oh, dude! I have a copy, but I need to let you borrow it. It's like this political satire cartoon that's like very Cuban and very racy, and like um, it's almost erotic in some points. But it's um, uh, I, I I'd seen the movie as part of one of the classes I was taking when I was there, and then like we just and I love it, so we just named the little mini album "Vampires in Havana." Um, but that's awesome, man! Yeah, I would love but, to hear that sometime. That'd be awesome it's not Bandcamp. it's oh, nice. pretty it's pretty shitty but it's under justin osborne at Bandcamp. but like i um we were i was gonna s- explain the reason why it's shitty is like some. Of, it was either recorded on like cell phone like early iphone stuff or either um like there was this one studio that we worked in in central havana that was like in a closet and um the ceilings in the room were just so were so high that they had built this closet into a two-story thing so there was like you were in the control room and then above it was just like this one little room that you go in and like sing or play or whatever. It was a really, really tiny studio. Um, but in the upper room, it was like right next to these heat pipes. So it was just so hot in there. And we would, we recorded the album up there and it was like, you'd do a take and you come down and your clothes would just be drenched from sweat. But, damn, well, I know but it's
0: it was, not formally called the upper room, but I do like the, uh, that little juxtaposition of upper room and (laughs) lower room
1: i didn't think i didn't think about about that but
0: um Um, those are both pretty pretty influential (laughs) little stretches of time for you too so that's kind of cool but
1: uh absolutely dude
0: one one thing i've been thinking about because i i was uh this week i've been revisiting a lot of your albums and just kind of you know thinking about what would be interesting to chat with you about and One thing I've always noticed, man, is that there's like this, uh, there's like a willingness to embrace your sense of humor throughout your music that you, you know, it's kind of hard to, to, to incorporate that sometimes in a way that translates and, uh, and what, what I guess, uh, a good example that kind of comes to mind when I hear the, the elements of like your sense of humor and like almost comedic relief that pop up throughout the, um, lyrical themes is like uh you know harry nielsen who did lime in the coconut and yeah and, like he would put lime in the coconut right after without you which is this heartbreaking ballad you know and like it there's something pretty badass and bold about you know that's not like a natural progression you know people are in this like this heavy space with this without you song and then you just hit them with lime and the coconut i mean i'm not saying you've got a lime and the coconut in the arsenal but i feel like you, <laughs> you have a you have a similar uh awesomely unapologetic way of like letting yourself embrace that side of your personality through your lyrics and i, I kind of wanted i mean i might be way off the mark in thinking that but uh if that is at all true i'd, I'd love to kind of hear your head, hear about your headspace in regards to that, and your lyricism. You know,
1: I um, I, I appreciate you kind of picking that out. Um, I, because to me, like, I, I definitely think that's present. It's something that, like, I, it keeps it. It's one of the most joyful things about, like, my catalog. To me, is are those little, and they're not everywhere. They're kind of like Easter eggs. Yeah, but yeah, like, yeah. Like it might be a
0: song where one lyric
1: shows that right. side of you.
0: But yeah, I and I definitely notice it when it happens.
1: And that that I think goes back to the influence of my time in Havana because like I I think when people think about Cuban music, you know, rightly so they think about Cuban jazz or Afro Afro Cuban stuff like oh, yeah. that. Um, and there's, you know, an incredible scene for that kind of stuff and kind of like dance dancier type things. Um, and even, you know, like reggaeton. But the um the kind of form of music that I fell the most in love with when I was living there was, uh, uh, it's called Trova. And I think Trova is basically just like a derivative of the word troubadour. It's like, it's, it's not even from the, from the Havana side of the Island. It's from like the, I think I've got my geography right here with like the Eastern side of the Island where like Santiago de Cuba is. I think it's like actually Mm -hmm. kind of an import from, from, from Haiti. Um, but it's like, uh, the, it's, I mean, it's all in Spanish, so i had to have a lot of this kind of, like, translated for me, because my Spanish is pretty limited, but these are, like, basically folk songs, and they're, like, singer-songwriter, but, like, the lyrics can be very, um, like, controversial, like, politically, um, or even, like, sexual, like, th- th- it's just, like, you take the, the singer-songwriter kind of, like, tradition that we have in, you know, in English, or in the U.S. specifically, and then add, like, uh, another you know spoonful of political kind of like commentary but also like like this kind of satirical side that would just pop up here and there it's kind of i mean i think the movie i mentioned earlier vampire vampires nivana is a similar thing with this it's like a movie about a very serious political moment but it's got all these little like moments of comedy in there right i mean uh, it's
0: framed in the context of a vampire story too so like right yeah that takes a little bit of the edge off of the of the seriousness too you know which
1: yeah almost like almost
0: the, makes you more receptive to the message that you have like that entertainment side thrown into the mix too you know
1: a hundred percent a hundred percent it's like you remember it more because it was more than just like it took you through more of a emotional landscape than right, just yeah. like you know one thing to it you know and that um So that was something that I like purposefully wanted to kind of embrace and kind of develop in my own songwriting um, after kind of being exposed to it uh, in Havana, because it was just like I, I, I had friends who were really passionate about like these artists that I had never heard of before I went there. And and they would play me their songs and they would like, you know, you know. It was. It, it can My understanding of this is still limited, but the understanding I do have a grasp of came from the like, like nights of trading songs, you know, over bottles of rum and like people just like explained to me why these songs are so good, and I was, and that was really helpful actually because I don't think you know we, we, we do that sometimes with our you know the songs we love in English, but there's so much that we kind of just we we think we just get it because we're all listening to a song in our own language, like being. Having people explain to me why the songs were so good helped me realize why the songwriting was so good. And, um, and I don't think I'm of that caliber, but it, it personally made me want to have those elements in my own materials. And so I you know I started to play around with it a little bit. And sometimes I've gone like really far with it, you know like, and sometimes it's like subtle and sometimes it's not there at all. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. that's funny, man, like, yeah, uh,
0: like on the newest record, there's a couple tracks where you can, where there's, like, nods to that, and then there's, I mean, there's plenty where that's definitely, I mean, it's not something that you, you definitely don't overdo it, you, you place it well throughout the record, which is, which is cool, makes it, makes it where it doesn't feel like it's like a, uh, like a, like a played out trick of yours, you know what I mean, it's, 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 uh, deliberately placed in places that that served the song well or just serve the flow of the of the record well
1: um i appreciate you picking that out and you know and appreciating it because it's you know and i also don't want to like over try i i feel like kind of earlier on like maybe in the, my first album whenever i was like a bit closer to that experience in cuba like it was um it was a bit more easy to use uh and i try not to forget it like you know i mean there's like on the last album I'm still trying to figure out how I feel about my last album too. You know, it takes me like, I have to be like, I feel like a full album cycle removed from an album before I really know how I feel about it and how it all went down. And I'm not there yet. I have to be like, you know, on the other side of my next record before I really know how I feel about ever since I lost my mind. But yeah. um, I mean, there's definitely before
0: long, man, you're already putting in the work on the new record. So hopefully hopefully, hopefully when you are able to put a fork in the new one, you can uh, have that fresh perspective on the on the last
1: one yeah i hope so you know like i mean i know at the time there was like it also was like we were like in trump mode like my first two albums were written at least like i mean i don't came out like right before trump was inaugurated but he'd already been elected but like ever since the loss of mine it was the first album that i wrote and recorded kind of in this era of like the world just being so confusing and cloudy. And, um, at least to me. And, uh, I think a lot of that's reflected in, and I tried to be sarcastic, like in a song, like on there, like living in America, mm-hmm. but I don't know if it, if I, it landed very, or if it lands or not, I don't even know if it lands with me <laughs> because I, um, cause it, the sarcasm is kind of hard to, um, to draw up whenever there's everything seems to be so uh, so important and um, so I
0: don't I don't know I, I feel what you're saying man I'm like uh, I would say sonically there's a shift on that record right like th- it's the first yeah. time I've ever heard on a sister record well it maybe maybe some on on and I'm fine today too but like there's definitely more uh, of like a presence of like st- of like distortion for one um and like so it's got a little bit more of a more bite to it which i'm sure like i mean you're coming from like a little bit more of a frustrated standpoint
1: when you're making a record in the trump era um totally i mean i wanted that 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 i i really felt the angst that i needed to figure out how to get through and you know some of those like walls of guitar i was just really kind of hearkening back to i don't even know if i use that word hearkening right but i was just like thinking back to some of the my favorite moments in like you know my guilty pleasure bands like bush and oasis and stuff where like this fucking like guitars will just like hit in this weird kind of early 2000s new metal type way like um i to have something like that but I mean, at the
0: very least that's a it's an unexpected turn with the like with the musical landscape that you're playing with otherwise on the record so like, well, uh, I got
1: I, I got it out too. I think it was something I needed to do. I needed I I, I needed to kind of exercise this like '90s demon I had inside of me. And, oh yeah, and, and and I did. And you know what? I'm glad I did. But you know, and, and I, it's great because now you can kind of get that stuff out of your system, and it's really great when you start over on a fresh album. You know, what I mean, I know you know that. Like having one finished and being like, okay, like now that is what that is. But this is going to be whatever it's going to be, and it oh, doesn't yeah. have to be anything you know like the other one but yeah that's an exciting feeling man
0: I, I can't wait until i get the the bug to to start writing a bit more i i haven't uh i you know we've been we just got the vinyl in for for our new record and uh so exciting yeah man i'll have to send one to you the the front cover is from that uh from that show we played together at the georgia theater actually so
1: oh shit really that's yeah. amazing
0: yeah man it, it's a big one Big picture of Cam's bass face, pretty much, is that. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that that feeling of shifting gears into, into whatever the next record is, it's hard to beat. Those band practices where you spend four hours working on one new song, and yeah. it goes from this little nugget that... It's barely anything to like something that you're like, oh shit, we've got a song now. Like that's just you can't beat that feeling. We um, got a and, song on our hands. Yeah,
1: exactly, I love that. man. I love that,
0: man. I mean, we spent a long ass time on this last record, and uh, I'm really proud of it. But I'm also like, I had to. You know how it is. You have to take a hard break, man. Until the until the vinyl came in, like I was not listening to this record. Like,
1: yeah, you I got it. Like... I was
0: like, I can't. I need to. I want to be excited when we put this record out. So I gotta like, not not
1: do anything Dude, with it totally, i totally know what you mean and it's hard to keep yourself from doing that too like because uh, you but you have to understand too that like the more you listen to it the less special it's going to feel to you and like and you kind of ha- it, and it's it's hard to kind of make sh- to keep those feelings in perspective you know like I, I definitely i i'm already getting to a place like that with some of my like demos but then i wonder it was like well does that mean they don't need to make it or like I don't know, I, I'm bad about over-listening to my stuff. But. Yeah, yeah I, I
0: I feel you on that. The recording process, I'm like really, I don't know what the, I guess I'm like quick to call a song done. Like, uh, if anything, I like having bandmates around to, sometimes that motivates me to, to layer it up a little more. Um,
1: I think you and I are very similar in that aspect, because in the studio, that's how I am. I'm like, oh, this it sounds great, just like this, let's leave it like this, and then, just, and other people were like, "Well, what do we added that there?" And I'm like, "Oh, yeah, that does sound great." And
0: then, yeah, but, but I would also have been down if it was you know just this basic yeah. guitar based drum thing too. But like, it, yeah, that way, I don't know. I mean, so in that in, in that regard, it's it's easy for me to not over listen. But I think when the parts that get challenging from a listening standpoint is like when you're mixing, And you're like, yeah. "God, like I don't know, everything sounds." You know, you could make an argument at any point. You're like, oh well, I mean, I guess the vocals could come up some more, about it, or whatever. And then like, you just get that bogs me down.
1: I always stay out of it. I like once it gets to mixing, I just I just stay out of it. Yeah, dude,
0: I just tried that for the first time. I got so we recorded this replacements cover for a for a compilation that Comfort Monk just put out, and like.
1: Yeah, I saw that.
0: Uh, when I I was like, this seems like the perfect trial run for me to test out just taking my hands off of the mix like, or just bringing somebody in to mix it who didn't also record it I guess is is more so what I mean um, you know we kind of recorded the whole thing quarantine style like I, I actually played drums on it and I played piano and, and 12 string and then brought Cam in to play his bass and then we sent it to, to Alex and we're like you just record all of the electric guitars and mix it <laughs> like and, uh, oh, so Alex mixed it. Yeah, which was cool because he wasn't cool. there when we recorded any of the rest of it, right? So he's not bogged down with the preconceived concept of what it sounds like. Like He's just got the stems and he's, he's taken a completely fresh crack at it. And I swear, man, he sent it to me and it was just, that sounds fucking great, dude. We don't need to change That's anything. Awesome. And that never I happens. That. I ne- I'm never like first mix is the one. It's always turn something up, something, whatever. And so
1: yeah i mean also like kind of that's part of the collaborative process is trusting people with stuff and like that i you know obviously you know i work with wolfie yeah who's also
0: in the new dad club
1: yeah he is dude he's um we're actually having our first like post him becoming a dad session like um on monday but like before that we've been we've been working you know a lot like several days a week um you know working on this stuff and it, it's just so nice to work with him and i love working with him because like i can just like leave things to him and then he'll also you know leave things up to me and then you know at some point too we'll we'll bring we might bring on other people who will be like listen we're too close to this you know we need you, you to, to labor over it for a little bit but oh um, for sure dude i nice I've loved it's nice share Wolf Wolf the burden too,
0: man like uh after recording with Wolfie for the first time, I was like, oh, I definitely wanted. We only recorded an EP with him the first time, so I was like, I want to record a full length with this guy. Like, there's a lot to be said about what he's bringing to the table as far as just creating a vibe for the recording atmosphere. Totally. Yeah. Because his feedback is constructive and and it is it's
1: valuable too.
0: Like Blanca almost never plays with a click, and there was this one song where he thought like, well, actually, like, what if we split the whole song up, and we were like. You know we just we had it in our heads that this song had to be at like snail pace for some reason, right and he was just very honest with this. He's like, "Dude, I dig this song a lot, but like if we pick up the BPMs a little bit, I think it's gonna be a whole nother tune. so he yeah. was like, "Here I'm gonna pick this BPM, let's just like go with the click on this one and try it out at this tempo and now I'm like now that I hear the song." I'm like, yeah. I don't know why we were ever playing this song any slower. It's like, it
1: would <laughs> no, be, yeah, he, it would
0: probably be a fucking snoozer if we if we played this song at its original.
1: Well, you know, like in that vein, like I have like many examples of similar things. Like, I mean, on the first album, I had my song "Dream Girl" that, that is kind of like low tempo. But it, when I wrote it, it was like kind of up tempo. It was like lately I've been having. It was on guitar, yeah. and it was like kind of like more like straight up, straightforward rock. And then and he just started, we'd already recorded it that way too. And then he just started playing the beat that is on there now, like, boom, boom, ka, boom, like kind of like, uh, yeah. and I started playing piano over it and we we looked at each other, we were in his old like storage unit. We were like, do we have to record this thing all over again now? <laughs> and we, and we did, but thank God we do. Cause it kind of, you know, that, that is, I think what makes the song resonate. And then again, it happened when we did our song, hard drugs, we were playing that song and like, He was hearing it going to this halftime part where it's like, "I'm glad that I found you." And like we were like, "I don't know, I don't know, I don't know." And he was like, "Just do it." And we, and after we did it for a while, we're like, "Yeah, there's no way that this song could ever been without that." (laughs) You know, dude.
0: Yeah, when when it switches, I mean, because then you, you get that beautiful chance to pop back up into the into the you know, regular tempo after it. It makes it where like the post chorus hits a little more whenever you yeah space it out like that yeah i mean I mean, he's, he's got a, a great ear for that stuff man yeah dude I, I mean his the i think drummers have the best sensibility when it comes to that stuff man
1: yeah and he's a phenomenal one so it's like you know he like i don't know he he's really good at driving the ship and i've never been in a live band with him like but you know i still consider him my bandmate when it comes to susto because oh, yeah, you know dude. that he we've made every everything that susto has done besides like our like my solo live recordings like have been done with him. He's had a hand in it. Even like on my last record, he co-produced it and he played drums on the whole thing. And like, well, for everything except for one song, but like, um, you know, he just, he's definitely my closest collaborator and I'm grateful for that relationship. And everyone I've worked with before, I mean, we're ultimately like great friends, but I've definitely been in situations where I felt, um, just not comfortable in the studio or, or even going into recording, um, And he's helped me navigate that a lot of times, and I'm grateful for that too. Because you're right, Me, he he's a he's a vibes guy at his core. So for sure, man. But
0: well, dude, thanks for thanks for chatting with me so much today, man. It's it's great getting to catch up. Yeah, thanks up for with chatting
1: you. with me. Where, when are we going to start the podcast?
0: Oh, dude, I don't know. Yeah, we got to have our own our own side side pod.
1: No, I mean, like, when are we gonna start the episode? I feel like we just started. We just started talking. I mean, I'm totally down for that too. But I feel like we just started talking. We never even were like, oh yeah, um,
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, nah, man. I mean, but that's kind of the nature. We just start rolling with it, man. So I mean, I love that.
1: I love that. I love it. Thank yeah. you so much for inviting me to talk, man. I mean, I, I, I unfortunately haven't had a chance to really listen to some of the other episodes yet because I've just been chasing around a one year old. But I um, probably doesn't
0: happen often with everything you got on your plate. But when you have a day when you're twiddling your thumbs and bored. You'll have plenty of, of episodes to pick from, man.
1: Well, dude, you've had a lot of folks on that I really admire, so I can't wait to listen through them. And obviously, I love always hearing your perspective. And it's been great to chat through. I appreciate you, kind of, you know, thank thank you for letting me tell my story a little bit and dude, of and course, talking man. through it with me.
0: Well, dude, I'll, I'll let you go so you can get uh get prep for the show tonight. But hopefully, we cross paths again soon, man. And and it's been a uh, it's been great getting to know you over the years and and totally a done. little more today, man. I've this is probably as much time as we've spent together we rarely get like an hour to just talk straight one on one so this has been I awesome. know this
1: is like this is like much better than the post sound check like right, right we can actually hear each room. other we're not yeah, screaming yeah. over
0: the band for a change yeah well cool well, yeah, man, man it, well send my love to the family and uh and send ours to everyone in the crew in
1: Columbia and uh, I hope we can all hang again soon man I really miss shows and hopefully we'll be doing some again soon
0: this has been a Comfort Monk Production.